0: So we are pleased to welcome none other than Derek Augustine into the Undefined with Jocena Anderson studio, joining us from L.A. with his Aaliyah t-shirt on. How are you doing? I appreciate you joining us.
1: Uh, Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I'm doing very good.
0: You're doing very good. We'll let our audience know that Derek Augustine is currently playing Cassius Clay to Cassius X to Muhammad Ali and Godfather of Harlem, which is currently on Epix in season two right now. That's the 60s era Harlem gangster, Elwood Bumpy Johnson. I'm a huge fan of this show. Watch you on there. And voila. Here you are just a few days later, so I appreciate it.
1: Thanks for having me mean, Thanks for reaching out. I appreciate
0: it. <laughs> He's appeared in Notorious, Queen Sugar, Surviving Compton, Playing DJ Yellow from NWA, Marvel's Cloak and Dagger, The Vampire Diaries, uh, When the Game Stands Tall, and It's Time. Correct? I did
1: uh, Shameless. Did mm-hmm. you get that? I did I know- NBA 2K.
0: NBA 2K. Okay, you know we're going to get into all your sports stuff. So, yeah, as you should, should. But obviously, I'm a big fan of the show. I've watched the entire season one. I've also watched up through the latest episode um, as of last Sunday. And I just want to know if you could share with us the process of you just even getting casted uh, for The Godfather of Harlem.
1: It was pretty much um, the most hardest casting process I went through. But I was I was actually in San Francisco at the time working. Mm-hmm. on NBA 2K20 and I got the audition so I had to put it on tape so I put the audition on tape and then I came back for the callback mm-hmm. and then I had to do a producer session mm-hmm. with uh with the creator of the show Chris Picardo, who who did um he's the creator of Narcos okay and then I had to test for network and the network test was the was pretty much the hardest because they um you know they wanted to make sure they they cast the right guy for this role. So it's like a four-step process.
0: <laughs> okay. And so how did you end up preparing for uh the role of Muhammad Ali and did you reach out to anyone in the Ali family like Layla or anyone else to kind of, you know, get their blessing or get any pointers?
1: <laughs> I didn't reach out to any of the family members uh out of mm-hmm. respect, you know, mm-hmm. what I'm saying? but um I did I researched as as much as I could. I found a lot of clips, interviews, um, you know, anything I can find, YouTube videos, and uh, the hardest thing for me was getting his voice down and uh, his mannerisms, and it's, it's different from playing, you know, a, a made-up character or the biggest sports icon and humanitarian that, that ever lived, especially coming from the area, the era of, you know, the, the 60s. Mm-hmm. It was, um, it definitely was, it was a challenge for me, but, um, here we are. You know what I'm saying? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so tell me what it's been like working with the great uh, Forrest Whitaker, who's obviously also the executive producer of these series, and then also uh, Vincent D'Onofrio.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, those two are um, icons themselves. So I always say I was an icon working with icons, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. But Forrest Whitaker is a, a very good guy, and um, – you know, like you said, he's the, he's the, he's the EP of the show as well. So I remember when my first day at work, I was, I was pretty nervous and, and anxious because, um, you know, you, you want to do the best you could do. And those guys actually force you to, to be great. So I'm very thankful for those guys. And at the end of season one, we had the, the, uh, the premiere, and he walked up to me and said, Derek, I couldn't imagine anybody else playing that role.
0: Aww.
1: And, yeah, which was, you know, it was very heartfelt, and I, and I appreciated him for that. And also Vincent Diafio, Vincent D'Affrio, he is, um, you know, he's, he's an acting coach as well. I think he teaches at Steller, Stella Adler Studio. And he, um, my first day working with him, we had that interrogation scene, and he really, really pushed me uh, which was very valuable. Very valuable. It taught me valuable. Uh, it taught you know, a uh, valuable lesson. You know, a set. Valuable, which, uh, and I'll explain. we were in. We we're in that that space where um, he was like, "You're gonna take this dive, and if you don't, um, I'm gonna turn these tapes over to the FBI, which is gonna discredit you as a as as a boxer." You know. And we were in that scene. And the hardest scenes for me is when you don't say much. You know, you have to you have to you know show emotion through your Through through your eyes, basically, and and through your mannerism, and when we're doing that scene, by the third one, he he tried something different. Through the he asked the director, could he could he try something with me? And we're filming, and he and we're in that scene, and he was like, Derek, I'm gonna I wanna instead of him saying, I'm gonna take your boxing license away, I mean, you you know, this championship belt fight away from you, he was like, Derek, I'm gonna take your acting career away from you. All this stuff you worked hard for, I'm gonna just take it away. You're gonna have to find another passion. And that, that and while we we're filming and that really put me in the zone, you know, what I'm saying. Mm. So, mm. yeah, he's he's uh. I learned a lot from both those guys.
0: So if you and I right now had to do what you just called one of the hardest things that you have to do as an actor, which is to carry a scene, carry a space with your face and your mm-hmm. emotions. So if I ask you to just look into the camera and do that with me right now, could you could you just wipe away your silliness right now and just do it right now?
1: Oh, man. I got to get in the space first.
0: <laughs> oh, no, you
1: yeah, yeah. You're about to make me break down. You know what I'm saying?
0: <laughs> here we go. We're going to do it. I
1: could. I could. All right, here we go. I'm,
0: I'm going to give it back to you. If I'm, if I'm going to put you on the spot, I'll put myself on the spot. Okay? So I, got, I'll, I'll uh, go first. I'll go first. Here we go. Go
1: ahead. Oh, okay. Okay. I feel you. I like that. I like that.
0: So now you do okay. it back.
1: All right, here we go. Let me see if I can get into it without laughing. You know? All right, here we go. Can't put on smile like that. Come on.
0: Just, just stop smiling. Listen, I'm gonna turn around. Get yourself All together. Right. Okay, get you yourself together.
1: Right. Here we go. Hi. Right. I see you turning around. <laughs>
0: That's okay. Oh. That's okay. I, I saw it for like two seconds and it was amazing. It was no, amazing.
1: That's, just, that's, all, that's all that matters. You know, so. That's
0: all that matters. Okay. So the other thing I want to know is, well, how do you feel like just being a part of this series has impacted your career? Because I feel like the popularity is taken off. There's so many great actors that we've already mentioned that are a part of it. You even have Swiss Beats, you know, producing the music. I think everyone loves the opening soundtrack. It's so dope. Um, how have you seen it just affect your career by participating in this show?
1: Yeah, uh, of course we, um, the show is is getting a lot of buzz, especially for season two. I think personally think that season two is better than season one.
0: Mm, in what way?
1: I mean, just because um, in this season, we touch upon what we what we're still dealing with in America as far as injustice and you know, discrimination and police brutality. And the, the writers do a very good job of tying that era into, you know, this era, which is, you know, it's, it's important because it makes you feel as though as, as Americans, has anything changed, you know, in 50 to 60 years? Because we're still dealing with, with those unfortunate events in today and age. So while I'm I'm watching the series, I'm just I'm just blown away by by how those how the writers were able to you know to, to put these figures together and touch on that subject. Last season, I'm sorry, we had a little bit of that, but this season it's just wide open, and it is amazing. I, you know, if this this show, I think is is it's Emmy worthy, it's Golden Golden Globes worthy, and. I don't know why we're not getting the, the credit we, we should maybe because it's on epics and epics is a, it's one of the newer premium channels, but it's been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. But you know, all my friends and associates and coworkers and um, you know, other people and family members, they always say, if Derek, if this thing was on a bigger platform, this will be the biggest show up. And I have, I have no, you know, I, 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 I truly do believe that, mm-hmm. but you know I love epics and this show is putting us on a, on a, on the front burner and I'm grateful. And th- it, what it's done for my career, it, it, it's just, it gave me a little bit of more notoriety, if that makes sense, which as an actor, and I started doing theater when I was younger and, you know, I started theater, theater in, in college and then moved to New York and continued my training and did more theater. And me personally, I feel as though an actor should do that because theater is the, is the foundation to, to acting. You know, it all started in, in theater and Shakespeare and, and that beautiful language and then it transitioned. And when, when I walk on set, I have a certain confidence because if I can perform in front of 1,200, 2,000 people as a lead, day in, day out, well, you know, doing two a days without messing up and walking on set is easy, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. So it finally gave me some sort of notoriety propel, propel me in my career. Mm-hmm. And I'm very grateful, man. And I'm grateful I got casted in, 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 this, in this show, in this series.
0: Yeah, you do a really, really good job um, from the standpoint of, you know, I can tell the work that you put into it as far as just picking up the voice you know yeah, I mean because that the only the only thing I can do is you know talk Jamaican because my parents are Jamaican so I can say well, Mal, you better go sit down right now <laughs> oh, <sad. laughs> that's so, that's, so that's my best voice change for you other than that I ain't got nothing for you so the fact that you can it's almost like kind of what Frank Caliendo does a lot on ESPN by impersonating all the different coaches and stuff I think that that's is. just a, such a great acquired skill to be able to not only just do another accent which I just did so ridiculously but the fact that you can take your voice and make it sound like a whole nother person is a whole nother level skill and then you know um the the physical aspect that you have to bring with integrating the boxing you know the different you know emotions and ranges that you're going through through the different scenes so I notice all of that so I wanted to say you know you know very good job on that so Uh, very very good very good stuff um a okay. couple things that you had mentioned, especially from your last answer going into this one, um, you mentioned one of the things that you really like about season two is the fact that um, it's integrating a lot of the, you know, uh, scenes of racial injustice and um, uh, criminal injustice and things like that from the '60s with what's going on now. And just only because you mentioned that, how much do you pay attention to, you know, what is kind of socially and politically going on right now? Is that something that? Um, you infuse yourself with, or are you more of just the creative type?
1: It's a it's, it's a mixture of both, right? Because mm-hmm. um, I have to use my platform to talk about things of this nature. Mm-hmm. If not, then um, who's gonna do it? You know, people who are in the in the entertainment industry and even in you know sports entertainment industry, athletes, because you know when when they talk about certain certain things, their voices are are, are heard more than others. So it's important that we use our platform to talk about social injustice.
0: But sometimes they're fearful, you know, it's not always, you know what I mean? Because you're playing a character who had no problem speaking about the things that, you know, he did and, and even sacrificing his career to, you know, make, you know, certain points as well. And then you have, you know, the emergence of Michael Jordan, who was obviously a little bit more commercially aware. He's coming back into that a little bit more now on the backside of his career as owner, but not everyone is as um, free with it, so to speak.
1: I mean, I think it's because, especially in the Black community, Mm-hmm. You know for we're scared to to lose our our economical advances not advances but what we built so far The disparity between you know our generational wealth and others it's you know it's in it's it's completely off so when you know when a black when a black man or a black woman finally comes in, into finally building you know a, a big foundation not just for them but for their family, they don't want to lose it mm-hmm. and I get it. You know, you don't want to lose your sponsorships. You don't want to lose people backing you. You don't want you don't want to lose your your, your different funds, your different sources of income because but because you're you're standing up. But you know, it, it's it, it's important. You gotta take chances. You know, what I'm saying. Look at look at Colin Kaepernick, my frat brother. You hear me? Cap out with returning.
0: Hey, I was a sweet in college.
1: Okay, okay. Sweethearts so of K A
0: side to the day I die. K <laughs> A side. That's if I die. K A side. Ha, ha, hey, I'm ha, sweet sweet. <laughs> So you didn't know but that. I didn't know that. I you see. Didn't you didn't know. know that. Mm-hmm.
1: But, but look at him; he's it's a perfect, perfect example. Mm-hmm. You know, he, you know, he, he took a stand, and and he pretty much lost not everything, but for his career, it was just, you know,
0: an incredible sacrifice. It.
1: But then, you know, after the George Floyd thing, how ironic that this police officer kneels on on someone's neck, right? Mm-hmm. And Colin Kaepernick was, he kneeled to, to, to speak up about that. Mm-hmm. And ironically now, you know, everyone wants to take a knee. You see owners even um, encouraging that. And this man still cannot get a job in the NFL and Tim Tebow has now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> don't get it started because if you were on my twitter over the last 48 hours they were trying to light me up over that and i had to set some st- yeah, trolls yeah, you know. straight
1: <laughs> but you know what you know what I'm, I'm glad that he's that tim has you know he's getting a, another shot he worked um, apparently he worked hard for it and somebody you know um acknowledged that so i'm not i'm not bashing him but Mm-mm. um you know i would love to see you know colin get another chance and and other people you know that they, they speak up against that they say he had his chance but Um, I would love to see him, you know, at least get another chance to get.
0: And it's not just the fact that they say, well, he had his chance. I mean, you know, since we're just touching on that real quick, the, you know, the other criticism is that they don't think he wants to play anymore or, or, and obviously, and, and I even mentioned this on my Twitter, there was interest for him, uh, last season with the team that I won't, you know, won't disclose or what have you. But I think the point that people are making with Tim Tebow is that, um, You know, they're regardless of what, whatever you're associating it to, um, because just even on merit alone. Just yeah. even on football logic alone with the fact that he hasn't played since 2012 without even mentioning skin color, that yeah. quadrant in and of itself suggests a privilege without even uh, you know, having to mention that. So yeah. I think that's you know the other counter argument that people are bringing up. And you and I can talk about that forever because um, I love the fact that you talk sports and obviously you know that's my domain. But um, moving on to the other thing that you were talking about as well as far as um, how you got into acting. Um, what sparked your passion to act?
1: Man, I'm going to tell you right now. I was raised by a single black woman. It mm. was Donna Marie Augustine. Mm-hmm. She had twin boys. Mm-hmm. And she said, I'll be damned if y'all make me some money. <laughs> <laughs> so right. we used to do like JCPenney, uh, uh, runways when we were young. I'm talking about like five, six. We we're in those little JCPenney catalogs as well. And then I, uh, she says that a, um, you know, an agent came to one of the, the runways and she was like, you got to get these boys into acting. So we did theater. Wow. And then the early memories I have is, is I did a play called King and I, and I played one of the, the sons. And after that, I just, I, that's, I knew that's what I wanted to do with my life.
0: And how old were you then at that point?
1: I was, I think I was 12 or 13. I think 12.
0: Okay. So you knew relatively and early. Mm-hmm.
1: Relatively early. And then my brother and I, we... Our mom was about to move us to uh, to LA. I mean, I remember we took new headshots. We were getting ready, and then our mom got sick. She had an aneurysm, oh, no. and our lives just took a 180. And we had to, you know, move with our grandparents. We had to move from New Orleans to a small town called Opelousas, Louisiana, um, because you know our father was deceased, and we, you know we we, could, we needed help to take care of her. So we moved. I think um, 13 or 14. We went to high school out there and it was just a total culture shock. There was no theater. You know, it was just, you know, rural country area. Um, it was, we went to a high school where it was the the, the racism and the, separate, the separation between races were, it was it was just apparent. Um, I don't mean to put, put that, I'm not going to mention that, 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 that high school's name, but back in 2007, they had a separate prom. They had a black prom and a white prom. And you know, as a teenager, I didn't really think about it that much. I was like, "Oh, let them do what they want to do." But now looking back, I'm like, "What?" What's in the, on? yeah, and it's not like that anymore. Because I remember I went back, I think two years ago, and I talked to the students there, yeah. and uh, when I saw my grand, when I saw my grandmother. Uh, I, talked, I went back to high that high school and talked to the students, and it's gotten a, a lot better. But back back in when I was there, it was just, I don't know what, what was going on. So after I graduated high school, my brother and I, we, we got full-ride scholarships, um, academic scholarships. Mm-hmm. We went to um, move back to New Orleans. Uh, I studied um, business, and I studied uh, theater as well. Mm-hmm. My brother, he w- w- still wants to be an actor, but our mom was still in and out of, of rehab. And he was just like, dude, one of us have to, has to have a solid source of income just in case I'm, you know, my mother needs it. So he switched his major to engineering and now my brother, he does aerospace technology. He's, he's, he's very, yeah, he's very analytical, very smart. Um, and I'm very proud of him. And I, after I graduated college, I moved to New York and pursued acting full-time.
0: So yeah. how is your mom doing now?
1: Unfortunately, my mother passed away. She passed away when I was 20, 23. I was in New York. And, you know, my mother was my, my everything, my why. She got me into acting. And when you lose that, you kind of lose a piece of of yourself. You feel me? Mm-hmm. So that's why there's like a big gap between my work, you know, me working within a year, because after she passed away, I just, uh, I couldn't do it. You feel me? Mm-hmm. So, uh, but when she passed I, I always think that God has had His hand on me because, you know, even though we grew up without a father and we grew up with a mom who was in the hospital, we're some very good men. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that happened, mm-hmm. but we're some we we have good hearts, man. We're we're very we're some good men, and I think it's because our mom had, you know, she she raised us right in the early beginnings of our lives. And I love her for that now, you know, I know she's still looking down on me. I know she's proud, you feel me? And I can't yes. wait to be on that stage one day and thank her, you know what I'm saying?
0: Is there a time like when it just hits you that, you know, you miss her and she's like, oh. you know what I mean, where it's just like out of nowhere?
1: Oh yeah, all, all the time it happens. Because, you know, uh, you know, in, in my early thirties now, I'm, I'm 31 and I, I feel like, you know, I wish she was here to to see me finally spread my wings. You know, and it took so long, man. And but you know, if you want something so so much, and you've been through adversity, and you've given it your all, it, it takes time. It takes ten years to be an overnight success. And I remember, I have, a, I had a my godmother. Her name is uh, Jackie Lee. She she looked over me when I was in New York. I used to live in New York for like four years before I moved here. Um, she had a meeting with Jeffrey Wright. You know who that
0: is? Mm-hmm, the actor.
1: Right? Yeah, the actor. And I met him. I was like young, I was 22 when I first moved to New York and I met him at 22 and I was like, dude, I just gotta make it right now. What do I do? What do I do? do?" He was like, young man, I'm gonna tell you right now, it's not gonna be easy and I can tell it's gonna take you a while and what you're gonna have to do is you're gonna have to dig deep into your art, get back into theater and I did not want to do that. I was over it. I was over the theater. I wanted to be, you know, in TV. And TV. Yeah. I wanted to be on right then and there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's wrong with our, my generation as millennials and Gen Z. You want everything now. And boy, I had a, a I had an awakening. You know what I'm saying? Because the last three years has been fru- fruitful for my careers. And, but the last, the last, but when I started, I was just building my foundation, meeting people, getting better as an actor, being stronger as an actor, getting more comfortable in, in my in, in, in my career, in my um, performance. And that allowed me to be Muhammad Ali, to come in with that confidence and to be across of, of, of you know, of, of the stage, of not the stage, but be across looking at Forrest Whitaker and working with him.
0: And hold your own at the same time.
1: And hold my goddamn own. I know what you mean. And yeah, not being fearful and, and feeling like I belong here. Mm-hmm. because this industry will, will if, if you don't belong here, it will spit you out, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, I can relate to that because I, you know, when I graduated Carolina um, I spent a year in Oregon and then um, I spent four years in DC um, yeah. off of a network, you know, doing it locally. And then, you know, I went to Fox and then I, I was at Fox for six years And I didn't think I would be in Colorado that long. And I just couldn't believe that I was there that long. And um, without going into all the, we can, you know, whatever. But the point is, is that the year that I left Fox and went to ESPN, it was 2011. The NFL had just come off of its um, labor strike. Um, And sometimes as we'll get into the spiritual stuff here, Um, you're like, why, you know, was I there six years? Why was I there that long? But then the year that I transferred to ESPN was the year that, um, you know, there was the the Tebow craze and then it was the Peyton Manning. And because... I had been in Denver for six years. Who was the expert already on all that stuff? You know, just kind of like Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay's right. taken front and center now. You know, that stuff was front and center at the time that I made the transition. So it allowed me to leapfrog and be in command right away. Do you see what I'm saying in terms of the time? And then also, you know, I didn't go into this business trying to be an NFL insider. It's something I acquired over time being in Denver you know, for other things, I don't want to, you know, take away from you right now. But, but the point is, is that it it didn't become clear until the circle closed and I was at ESPN and I was like, okay, now I understand why it opened up this at this moment, you know, because it made the step to the next uh, part of my career, um, you know, smoother.
1: Had I come earlier,
0: just in terms of like what you're saying about it, being able to spit you out, maybe I would have fumbled sooner. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Since we're kind of talking about the, the, the spirit right now and your religion and things like that, how um, important is that in your life, so to speak?
1: I grew up Catholic mm-hmm. and uh, I'm still Catholic. I, I, I no no no. I like going to Catholic churches. I like being quiet.
0: That's oh. how I pray,
1: that, you know what I'm saying? Because I feel like I have that strong connection with him. But my brother's Christian, I go to his churches and you know, it's all the, uh, you know, the, the, they worship different than, than Catholics.
0: So your brother, what denomination is does he go? To?
1: Non-denomination. He's he's Christian. He's just you know.
0: But is it Christian. Baptist, Methodist, like
1: uh, it's non-denomination? Oh, it's non. De- okay,
0: I got you. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. But, uh
1: huh. Uh huh. But I like going to his churches sometimes because it's uh-huh. it, it, it's it's a lot. It's a lot more. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> they just worship different. It's a lot more, you know, upfront your face with me. It's mm-hmm. just. I'm usually in the back at church i'm quiet you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying I listen to the sermon then so i'm your
0: all... perspective your experience rather is more introspective
1: yeah yeah that's what it is yeah most definitely mm-hmm. so i said say even in my career i had to have faith i had to have faith that that even in my lows that i was on the right path and in my in my darkest days in my career when i felt like giving up i remember mm-hmm. I, after my mom passed away i was and I, you know, and I wasn't booking anything. My brother and my uncle, my uncle is 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 my father's brother. And he's like the breadwinner, breadwinner in the Augustine family. And when he knew we, you know, I was gonna pursue acting full time. He was like, you know what, Derek, you don't have any parents. You don't have anything to fall back on. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna help you out. But he did help us out in college. You know, when we needed something desperate, he was like, you know, but he was like, y'all are grown men now, 21, 22 years old. Y'all gotta. Y'all gotta fend for yourself. And when I was at my low point, you know, he sat me down and he was like, Derek, I need you to, you gotta quit. It's time. You've been playing this game for years. You're not in college anymore. And my brother actually, he was right there with him. He was like, I think it's time for you to give up. And I didn't. Yeah, and we talked about, my brother and I, we're very open, we talk about this a lot. And he's very proud of me because I didn't, obviously. But I, I, still remember that. I still remember that day. I think that was in, like, 2014.
0: Oh, that's tough. I feel that for you. I feel yeah. that for you because I know
1: there's Imagine, so many times. Like yeah. This is my twin brother and my uncle who's like a father figure to me. Yeah. Sitting down. We, we were sitting down right now without the uh, video chat. <laughs> and there's like, I think it's time, Derek. You got to, you know, you have to be able to provide for yourself. And my family's big on that. Even my my mother and my, my grandparents, there was, like, a man... Should, should provide for his family. Because if not, my mom used to tell me this all the time, if not, another man will. My grandfather used to, used to stress that too. If you don't take care of your family, another man will. So you have to be financially stable to, to, to be prepared to take care of your wife and your kids. And that's a lot of pressure, you know? And especially in this industry, you don't know where your funds are coming from. You don't know, unless you were on a show, unless you got syndication on the show, unless you were a, a blockbuster a movie star,
0: it ebbs and flows.
1: It it is tough, you know? Mm-hmm. So you have to be able to manage your money and be able to save and invest in the right things. But I said to say, I did not give up. When they told me that, it went one in one ear rather the other. And I stayed with it. And I always ask when I'm in my lowest point or if I'm you know, I need a job, I always ask God, give me a give me a sign. If this isn't the if this isn't career, you 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 want me in? Give me a sign, and I would always book another job after that. Mm. So, I I believe I believe in God. I believe you know I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus, and I think it 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 kept it kept me afloat in my darkest days when I wasn't booking, when I needed really really needed His help.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I get yeah. that because I feel like. Um... I, I get that, you know, because obviously I'm, I'm not an actor, or actress, but I'm, you know, in a different, you know, field where you can be in and out of gigs. <laughs> so I get yeah, that, yeah. and how you go through those wilderness moments, um, where you know you don't know um, if you should carry on, you know, and and things like that. So I feel that, and sometimes it is the um, you need those moments that are what I call kind of like the hand of God moments where you it's something that shows you something that you feel it that's that gives you that just enough, yeah, to go just- on where you where you know that that's exactly and it, and it is only something that you just kind of feel intimately um it it, it it could be anything. it could be a friend calling, it could be an opportunity, somebody brightened your day, whatever it is um but something that you know. That okay. That that's what I, that's what's gonna give it to me to make it today is basically what I'm saying. You know what I mean? So it's like it's like the there's a book called and I think I have it. It's on my bookshelf in the back there, but um, I think it's, it's something like wink from God or something like that. And it's like I hear I'm feeling you. It, I, I'm here. You know what I mean? Like
1: a moment of clarity. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I get that. Um, yeah. You were talking about. Louisiana and growing up there, obviously, before we came on... talking about the the text from obj and whatever but I, I, I there one thing I always say about 504 boys and I don't know if you're 504 but I call y'all 504 boys is uh-huh. that you're all very nice I know a lot of nice 504 boys and, and obviously I could tell by even the things that you wrote that you were in you know interested in I was like okay he's a good one you know what I mean and um, obj Landon Reggie Wayne there's so many uh, you know Lil Wayne um, so, what do you think is it is about the culture or the area that you know infuses whatever character you all have as men? Would you say?
1: I still got my power for them. I'm never letting that go. Mm-hmm. But I think honestly, it's just it's it's New Orleans. It's just you know we it's our culture. We're, we're good people down there. You know we come from good strong families. And not, you know you mess up, and not just your mama gonna pop you. Your grandpa gonna pop you. Your uncle gonna pop you in they hit. The gonna pop you. You feel me? And it was always yes, ma'am. Yes, sir.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Even like all my family went to Saint Aug. Saint August. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am.
0: Mm-hmm. You know what
1: I'm saying? So it's like our school system teaches that. Our family teaches those good values and morals. And our mothers, our mothers have a strong hand on us. You know. You know what I'm saying? Because my mom taught me uh, the core values in my life right now. You know, as far as like being being a gentleman and being. Uh, a respectful man at that, you know, always opening the door for a woman. You know, what I'm saying, always, you know, not t- not not raising your voice uh, at your elders. Mm. But, you know, things, the small things like that. Mind your your, your be, be be mindful of your manner, mm-hmm. your manners. Be kind of your of your vernacular. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just
0: and being small- patient as you were with me.
1: <laughs> <That's> yeah, <so. laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those small things make turns us into you know great people. Mm-hmm. If, if, you know, if, if that makes any sense. I it's a, a valuable thing because I know once I do achieve, not even start on, but become, you know, a household name, I want to be the man that I am today. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to lose that.
0: Client. You don't want to lose that. Yeah, I don't want to lose that. And I'm not, I'm
1: not going to lose that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm
0: saying? hmm yeah. Real quick, what is your, uh, do you have a favorite scripture? A favorite scripture? Mm-hmm. Like I or, or, you don't have, to, you honestly, don't have to quote it, but do you know like what, do you know which one it is that you like? Like I'll tell I'll <laughs> tell you one of mine right now is uh, Joel two twenty five. It's about restoration, and when right. I left ESPN and I was going through a lot, and I still haven't told my story, and I eventually I will. Um, as far as everything that you know went down, but uh, restor- the Joel two twenty five scripture talks about restoration, and it says um that, you know, God will restore to you the years lost um, from the canker worms and and the locusts. And basically what it means is like, and this is the year that the cicadas are coming out. They should come out in the next two weeks or so, which is interesting because, you know, they come out every 17 years. Um, But you know, when the cicadas come out, they can can ruin the the farms in the fields. And so basically what it's saying is that everything that you lost as a result of that will be restored back onto you and, and then some. And so restoration is a big thing to me right now. Some of the things that i'm going through my company is named restoration park so for me joel 225 sure. is something i'm always listening for the word restore is my kind of winking hand from god and things like that but i was just wondering if you had a scripture that was your one that you
1: yeah that, so your your scripture is my brother's favorite scripture it's uh yes yeah, it's, it's whatever you lost god will fulfill tenfold or twice as much mm-hmm. so it's like is you know it, it goes what we've been through it right? we lost so much but god is going to provide because god is our, our father and in the Bible, he he says, you know, God is a father to the fatherless. Mm-hmm. So I always, I always talk to God as as my father. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But my favorite scripture is probably, "Trust in the Lord with all your heart; lean not on your own understanding, mm-hmm. and trust Him with all your ways, and He will lead you on the right path." Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I I feel like sometimes I'm not on the right path, and I'm asking Him, you know, where to go, what to do, and if you just listen and really talk to Him, He he he, meet he lets needs. you
0: know and meets you where you are.
1: Yeah, it meets you where you are.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have talked a lot about spirit. We've talked about your acting, and you know, I'm not going to let you get out of here without talking about sports. <laughs> not, you
1: know, I'm out here. You hear me?
0: You said what? You
1: know, I'm out here like. <laughs> right, you know hear <laughs> <right>, me? <man? You're laughs> this is all this movie. Come on now. <laughs>
0: Since we, we talked about your culture and everything you got from your mom, so we, now we have to transition to back the fun stuff here and talk about the Saints. Your New Orleans Saints were 12-4 and 4 last year. Obviously, uh, your quarterback was Drew Brees, who recently retired. Um, so we can just start there. You know, How do you feel about the prospects of your team with Drew Brees You know, being gone? Uh, Sean Payton, your head coach, is saying that the quarterback competition will be between Taysom Hill, Jamie Winston um, Winston, how, how are you feeling about that?
1: Man, look, baby, I mean, I've been a Saints fan since, I, since Johnny Abel was the, the quarterback. Okay. And my mom used to dress us up in, in matching uh, uh Saints jackets. <laughs> <laughs> so, look, and I'm, and I'm, I'm a, I am a big Saints fan. I'm talking about every Sunday, dressing up in Saints gear. I'm ready to fight if we lose. <laughs> my whole day day. I thought you
0: were supposed to be slow to anger, slow to anger, but that's what you <laughs>
1: I'm I'm, I'm and my homies know not to text me, man. Okay. You know, if we lose, don't text me. Oh, Lord. But I, um, you know what? The last couple of years, we should have won in 2017 and 2018. And, you know, the, of course, the uh, Minnesota miracle happened.
0: I was at that game. I was a reporter for that game. I don't know if you remember that, that's, I mean, obviously, when uh, we Stephon were. Diggs, you know, he threw, he threw the helmet, and then, uh, you know, uh, Everson Griffin and, and my man, they come and give me this big hug, so I was there, I, I was completely amazed, yeah, but go ahead, go ahead.
1: Yeah, we were, heart, we had <laughs> three heartbreaks, you know, that one, and then the Miss Claw with the Rams, and then also getting- Cal
0: Roby Coleman. Yeah. <laughs> And then, Am I making you relive this? I'm so sorry. <laughs>
1: it's just, you know, we, we're we tired of it. We want to go, at least go to the Super Bowl. And, you know, Drew Brees, I feel as though, I love Drew Brees, man. That was my dude. When all my homies was like, no, he, he, he didn't, you know, he, he didn't want to talk about that. When he said that, when he you kneel you don't you know he doesn't really respect oh
0: that. you're bringing that stuff back oh. I was
1: still rolling with him though I'm, I'm like I know but that's still my cornerback I'm sorry and it's just this year you know the injuries and my thing with him is like dude don't let your pride get in the way if you hurt if you got all these in, uh, injuries why we're in the playoffs bro why not say hey man I'm gonna need Jameis a taste some. Uh,
0: oh, I see where you're getting at. So, you, are you are you saying? Let me ask it as a question. Are you saying that you felt like he should have stepped aside sooner and let Jameis come up last season?
1: I'm saying when the last game we played, what was that against when we that we got knocked out of the uh, uh, Tampa Bay? That's yes, 30 to 20. Y'all lost to, uh, 30 to
0: 20. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. I'm sorry, but I remember. I that.
1: feel as though, <laughs> yeah, he should never came back that second half. He shouldn't be like I, I can't. You know, I'm not playing right. He was playing kind of off, you know. He wasn't playing the regular Drew Brees, and I was like, dude, you should never came back that second half. I'm a big Jameis Winston advocate. I feel as though I watched some of his videos. He's putting in some work. You know, he's mobile. The dude threw for 5,000 yards. Yeah, he had 30 interceptions, but I feel as though if, if he can trim those interceptions down, and I think Sean Payton will force him to do that, because especially if you have a check down, like Alvin Kamara and, you know, a, a good slot receiver, which I think we have in Trey Conn Smith. It's okay to check down, uh, Jameis. It's okay.
0: <laughs> You're letting him know.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's all right, bro. Just check down. I think Sean Payton is going to be a big, a big advocate for that. And I think Sean likes He, he I think he loves him. And I think that I, I'm not a big Taysom Hill fan, honestly.
0: Really? No, oh dear. I, 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 now, okay. I, now, now, let me just remind you. You know, you know, most of my following are sports people. So, um, you not know, a Taysom Hill fan? <laughs>
1: I'm, a, I'm a Taysom Hill fan as a as he as he's a gadget player. Okay. As long as he stays in, 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 in that role, I'm a I'm a big Taysom Hill fan. Mm-hmm. But him coming in and being our full time quarterback, mm. I'm not a fan of that man. I'm, but I'm he held
0: his own in some games when he had to come in there for Breeze.
1: And and that's when our defense stepped up, and you, you saw when teams start start to to get his to get his uh you know starts really study him when the when we played Philadelphia. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, yes. Yeah Their yes.
1: defense knew how to shut him down.
0: Yes, they did. Yes, so, I do. I do remember that game and that and I believe that was um, Jalen Hurts' first, first start.
1: Yes. And mm-hmm. He played a hell of a game. I'm yes, very he proud did.
0: Of young man. Yes, he did.
1: But that 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 really. Um, Showed me that Taysom Hill is not—he's just—he's not a QB one. He's not accurate. The so majority of his throws, the receivers had to, you know, adjust their their routes to come back to the balls. And I think
0: he has—I think he has the ability, but yes, it is tough. You know, it's just kind of like Nick Foles coming in relief uh you know a lot and or a quarterback like um you know Ryan Fitzpatrick and it's a whole different game when you're the starter and the defense has a whole bunch of tape and they can start you know and they can uh, catch you and you have to you know step up but I know that Sean likes to use him as a switchblade and and he has you know multiple skills and things like that and going back real quick to what you said as far as you thought Jameis should have come in in that second half um that's a tough decision for a head coach, you know what I'm saying? Because here you have someone who, you know, is a arguable Hall of Famer, and their career is in the balance, and you know that this is in the end, and it's like, you know, it, 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 am I going to make him go out like this, you know, in reverence to his career, or is it going to be about the moment now? I mean, if you were the head coach, I mean, it sounds like I know what you would have done.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but if you take away, you know... Their relationship, because I think that's what got in the way. That personal relationship. I think you would you would have sat Drew Brees out.
0: Um, the other thing with your team is, you know, I know this is a little bit of a bruise because we talked about uh, Tampa Bay um, and losing in that divisional round, thirty to twenty. What was interesting about that is that you guys had beat the Bucks twice last season, and then when it counted, when it counted,
1: what happened?
0: What happened?
1: I just think the Bucks had. They knew our scheme. They knew Drew Brees couldn't pass over 30 yards, 25 yards like that. And they just, you know, they played that nickel and dime. And they they brought a safety down. And, you know, they shut down Alvin Kamara. And they shut down Michael Thomas with a double team. And when you play a nickel and dime, you can have another DB and take a linebacker out. You put another spacer in there. Our receivers were shot. Mm. And I think, you know, those two games that they played, they realized that. And... Our running game wasn't wasn't happening. That you know, the the third time we played, it was just. Let me tell you, Tom Brady
0: and them came out like a master. Todd, you know, Todd Bowles, you know, save his best for last because a couple people looking at the Bucks defense, like, what's going on when they played early in the playoffs? And Taylor Heineke, you know, came out and whooped up on you know a little bit, you know, on the Bucks defense, but they came they came ready for you. (laughs) Yeah, one of
1: the the best linebackers in the league. and then Fournette was playing high-end that game, man. And then another thing, our, our linebacker, Quan um, Alexander, he was hurt. He, you know, he tore his Achilles that, mm-hmm. but the, the game prior to that. And we had a linebacker, um, Anza, uh, Anzalone, I think mm-hmm. that's name, from Florida. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm a big Anzalone fan. I call him Thor. But <laughs> Thor just – he just couldn't get right that game, man. And you can't put all the stress on, on our, our best linebacker, uh, Davis, and when you don't have that, Fournette is gonna run all over you when mm-hmm. you don't have a, a second linebacker. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I think Quan Alexander getting hurt, it really cost us that butt game. Mm-hmm.
0: It really
1: did. I'm a look, I could talk about this all day.
0: Listen, and you, listen, you here I am, because you already know this is <laughs> this is my I'm, quadrant. So I'm just like, you know, we talk NFL, we keep keep it popping and keep it going. And and I know that's tough. A lot of people had the Saints coming out of the NFC. And, you know, didn't think that Tom Brady and the Bucks could do it, particularly when they played you guys earlier in the season and they just got embarrassed by y'all in that first game. And so for yeah. them to turn it around. But you know what that also shows because I remember – uh, Josh McDaniel said this to me one time, is that, you know, you can't always judge by the regular season because some of the coaches that really have the experience in the postseason know to hold back the schemes for the playoffs so that you haven't seen it on tape and they'll whip it out on you. And so even as people were talking about the Bucks' defense after they played Washington football team, they're like, what's going on, Taylor, Taylor? You know, I, 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 Todd Bowles was on this show maybe about two months ago or whatever, and, uh, you know, we were talking about it then, like, you know, people can talk, but he knew what he was holding, you know, in his back pocket, and then he went through a series of top quarterbacks and knocked y'all off, and not to mention that even at the same time, the extra thing that he had coming, you know, for him with that game is that uh, they were going through the NFL coaching hiring cycle at the time, and, you know, the Eagles, you know, didn't, you know, take him, and the Lions said that, you know, they already had their pick, and then, you know, he has his own way. He's not a big talker, introspective in your mm-hmm. ways, like you talk about how you are when you're in the back of the church, or whatever, but he has his own ways of, you know raising his left eyebrow and letting people know so yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 That's just, I, haven't, I haven't thought about it like that maybe mm-hmm. you're right because,
0: oh like they I hold said, back oh, hold yeah. back yes yes And I
1: think we gave the saints gave the bucks all we had and that's why i think that third game they were like how many more screens passes y'all gonna do how many more of these you know the 10 and ends y'all gonna do we need y'all got to us something different and they weren't doing that
0: Mhm. So real quick, but we'll, we'll transition. Well, actually, before I, before I say that, what do you think about your secondary? Do do you feel like you guys need another corner? Because there's you know obviously a famous corner that's still out there right now in free agency. What do you feel like you all need? Uh,
1: we need a corner. And I think we need another linebacker. I don't think we have the money to get Richard Sherman. Honestly, I think we we only have like maybe eight million in cap space, and we still have to pay. Look at our you, a money. Look at I'm you. a big, a big. I don't think we have the money for him. (laughs) Uh uh I don't, you know, with Drew Brees leaving and um, our defense kind of, you know, because of of our of our cap, a lot of our prime decent defensive players left. I don't think we're a Super Bowl contender to him. You feel me? So I think, I don't think unless he
0: will. he's willing to take less, you know, for the standpoint of going to a team that is going to allow him, you know, to win. Uh, unless you know, he, like he says, he goes back to Seattle if he feels like you know, you know, that's a good thing. Um, and as we're we're talking now, I do know that there's interest. Uh, you know, there uh, from the Saints, but we'll see if it happens. Obviously, you have to consummate things in negotiations. And the thing about the Jets, even though I know that they're keeping their eye on him, is that that would be the first time that Richard Sherman would be on the East Coast after spending just like you and you know, LA you're on the West Coast. He'd have to come all the way out here, paying all this money that we're paying out here right now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that's a consideration. So you know, you got to consider your family. He's got a wife. He's got a couple kids. You know, there's some sometimes there are things that you're willing to give up. Because because of other considerations is all I'm saying, you know?
1: Yeah, it's, it's gotta be uh, interesting what he decides.
0: But listen, anyways, I'm getting ready to wrap you up because you've been so patient with me and you've been spending your afternoon with me. I wanted to ask you the last couple, uh, well, Jesus Christ, I, I forgot about your cooking. Can you tell me real quick, since you mentioned real quick that you were a cook, can you tell me what's your signature dish?
1: Man, gumbo, Your
0: Your gumbo? gumbo okay, man. so, <laughs> all right, so what's, what's, your, what's your secret, what's your secret methodology for putting man. together?
1: My grandma gave me, gave me her recipe. It's all about the the roux. Mm. You Got to know how to make your roux. Mm-hmm. And it has to be just right. You can't overburn it. And you can't undercook the roux.
0: Oh, so you can make some serious gumbo.
1: And throw it down in the kitchen on some gumbo. Mm-hmm.
0: And and okay. And is there a secret ingredient that you have, or anything that else that you make it special, other than your roux? Your the
1: roux. roux. <laughs> <laughs> stock. So a lot of people, you got issue your, your, your gumbo stock. So what you do is. I use like uh smoke smirk, smoke meat like smoked turkey and I So you take up. the
0: time to smoke your own turkey or it's pre-smoked? No, no,
1: no, no. Okay, I, okay. Over here. okay, okay. So
0: okay. Like, oh, okay, okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm like
1: okay, okay. buy organic smoked meat and then okay. you use that with the with the uh, shrimp shells and uh, the, the chicken stock and you put that in in boiling water and that makes your 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 gumbo stock and then once it that boils for like 45 minutes you drain it and then you used all that juice for the stock. Mm. You feel me?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, is there anything else that you have as your signature dish? Uh,
1: gumbo's like my, my signature, I'm not gonna lie to you, but I, I have my, my grandmother's recipe for her, like Cajun red beans and rice as well.
0: So you like food really, really spicy? Yeah, really spicy. Okay. Yeah. I'm a little bit. I'm allergic to red spice. So if you ever Ooh. made me a dish, you would have to do it on the milder side because we don't want me being like this after, and then the, it wouldn't look. Great. Oh, you can't do yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, which is funny because my parents are Jamaican, so I used to be able to yeah. eat jerk and all this other stuff. You know, curry escovish, fish, all this other stuff. And then one day when I was in college, it's like I just developed an allergy to it, and anything that's like pepper to the tongue is, it, it I'm, I'll be, I'll have a little bit of an allergy to it. Oh, I'm sorry <laughs> I know I know so you'd have to turn it down a little bit my my uh, signature dish is honey uh Dijon tenderloins um and also I'm really I'm really good with salmon I love all kind of different salmon dishes oh, yeah, so I'll freak out of salmon and salmon in, in a whole bunch of different ways and I, I seen I think I've seen on the internet that you are you selling some um, aprons or something like that, that was, not, was, oh that was
1: yeah. a was like are you I was
0: like, you, I was no, like a, am I gonna no. see you on shark yeah. tank now is that... <laughs>
1: I got those name, I got that, that main, but I'm thinking about it,
0: you know what I'm saying? But oh, okay. So it might be it might be a little side hustle for you. It might
1: be a little side hustle, you know what I'm saying? You got
0: know. Okay. And lastly, Derek, what is your um what is, what do you envision as your dream role? Like, um, obviously right now you're in a, a very blessed opportunity to be on Godfather of Harlem and you're um, acting with these incredible actors, but is there like a, a a dream role or, you know, someone else you also aspire to work with?
1: I really want to my dream role would be so I wrote a script called the 25th dynasty, which is based off the, uh, the ancient Kushites formerly knows that formerly known as the Nubians, which are in essence, the real black Egyptians. Mm -hmm. And one of the roles in there, he's the the lead antagonist. His name is Tefnaki. Mm -hmm. And uh, that would be like my, my dream role to get this film produced and I star not co-star as the, as the, uh, Antagonist.
0: Wow. Yeah. Because I think I read that you you do you do some writing and you've been you write on you trying to create your own content in that sense too. Yeah. Where do you find time to do all that? <laughs>
1: Man, I don't know. I'm, I'm finishing up a novel right now. My brain is like it's going. You're to writing me. a novel. I'm writing a novel. I'm at like I'm at like sixty thousand words. I have wow. twenty thousand. Wow.
0: Without and, a ghostwriter, uh, your whole self.
1: No, it's, I'm writing myself. No ghostwriter. I've been working on this for like three years. It's a YA fantasy. It's about wizards in New Orleans. It's black wizards in New Orleans. And, um... Wow. Yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big, uh, fantasy guy, sci-fi. And, uh, you know, I was a big Harry Potter fan growing up. And I was wondering just like, man, why aren't there black wizards? Or black, are, you know, more young, you know, super powers who are, who are happen to be, you know, of, of minorities. So, yeah, I've been writing this for like three years. And, um, and almost finished it should be I should have have it done by the end of the summer or early fall and hopefully hopefully give it get it published by by the end of the year but I would love to work with Will Smith man really I don't know I you know I grew up watching Fresh Prince and I don't I just he seemed like a good, cool. I never met Will. and I, I never get starstruck. Everybody I meet at these you know, different award shows, at, you know, um, award parties and different events and through networking and resources. I've never met Will and I never got starstruck. But I think for Will, I'll be like, man, dude, you, you're my childhood, man. You feel me? I mean, we, I grew up watching like Martin, Fresh Prince. Um, you know, stuff Wayne's brothers, stuff you know, of that I'm a
0: nature. I'm girl, so you know, I love Martin, but yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you feel
1: me? <laughs> I just, I don't know, I want to, I want to, I want to work with him. I, ironically, I just auditioned for a movie that, that he's doing, that he's producing, and you know, we'll see what happens.
0: <laughs> I love the fact that you're creative, and I don't mean creative, but that you are a creative. I love that. I can yeah. feel that, and in, in how you talk, how you think, how you spend your time. Um, so that's really cool. That's really dope. Um, and with that being said, if you ever were to win the ultimate award in your craft, um, being an Oscar or Golden Globe or what have you, um what do you think that you would tell your mom on the stage?
1: Yeah, I, don't know. I know you
0: you don't gotta you don't gotta rush. Take your time. What would you say to your mom?
1: I would, I, would thank, I would first thank her for giving me life and for, you know, instilling this, this art form in my body. And I would thank, for, thank her for, you know, the time I've had with her and thank her for being, being up there looking down on me because it pushes me the, to be the best form of myself. And that's why I'm on this stage today because of her, because she's my why.
0: <laughs> oh anything be, that else? Would
1: be, that would be some. That would be in, in that. In, it would be that in that environment. That's that's what it would sound like. Yeah, mm-hmm. my mom was a good mom, man. She was soulful. Mm-hmm. I remember that she was very soulful. She loved like blasting music in in, in our home. Like she loved Babyface, Casey and JoJo, um, Shawty. She was a big Sade fan, and that's you nice. know the song I play for her that that kind of reminds me of her is. uh What's that song? That's Shalyn's song. Um, uh, it goes like, uh, "I'll be there," you know. So I'll be there to cause you time. Yes. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the name of that song? I don't, I don't know, know
0: but I, when you sang it, I recognize it. I don't know the name though. No. Yeah, It
1: yeah. reminds me of her.
0: That's that's the one what? song that really brings yeah. her to you. Yeah. That one yeah. song. One song. It's
1: like. hmm That's my mom talking to me. From. Oh, <laughs> I
0: hear you. Are you, you I think it's called by your
1: side. By, by your side. side. Yeah. Okay.
0: Well, you know, I, I, I'm a '80s, '90s, whatever, and you know, so Casey and JoJo, that's that's a little bit more my speed. You know, oh yeah. I had the strangest feeling. I can't say no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's all good. My mom was a bit like, I remember she loved Babyface too. And I actually ran (laughs) into Babyface like three years ago at the Grove out here. Uh And I just wanted to be like, yo, my
0: mom loved (laughs) you. you. yeah. Yeah. I was like, nah, you know. keep it cool. Anyways, listen, I have taken up so much of your time. (laughs) I hope you had a good time talking to me. I really appreciate you making um, time in your day to come on, being patient, obviously, at the beginning of everything that was going on. You're you're such a... uh, you know, great talent with everything that you're doing and obviously wish you a lot of success in everything that you hope to achieve because you certainly are, got your hands in a lot of different things, you know, with writing a book and writing a script and you're acting and you're auditioning, you're cooking gumbo, you're trying to perfect it. You don't make salmon like me, but it'll get there. (laughs)
1: It'll
0: (laughs) It'll get there. But listen, Derek, I really appreciate you coming on the show and thank you for giving me your time.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. God bless you. And Uh, your future endeavors, wherever they may may lead you.
0: (laughs) Thank you, too. I appreciate it.